Good morning and welcome to today's Oil Market Update with Callum McPherson. How are you doing today, Callum? Very well. Yourself? Yeah, really good. Thank you. So this week we're going to talk through the 2021 oil hedging considerations pieces, which your team issued at the end of last week. Uh, 2021 is a very uncertain year and you've highlighted that the key issue to begin with is the rollout of the virus versus the vaccines. Yes, that, thanks Toby. Um, I, I think the, the the experience of of the UK with the variant we've had here is actually is actually quite in, instructive, both in terms of, of of that particular strain specifically, but also about uh, dealing with new strains generally, um, because it was first detected in the in the autumn through um, DNA sequencing, so it was identified that there had been a mutation, but it was uh, it, it wasn't until the the strain had spread quite a bit that there was enough data to work out what if anything was different about this you know what 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 was the implication of it being of, of the mutation and of course what what was then um, became apparent what was that the, the, the virus uh, was spreading much more rapidly so that's the first thing that you have this delayed thing between first detecting that there is something new and 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 secondly what does that actually mean in terms of the transmissibility and how dangerous the the, the virus is? Um, the other thing then about this strain, particularly, is is that um, it, it 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 starts small and of course grows. I mean, this is this is always the case. So we've seen um, perhaps uh, a month ago, we, we was we was a few weeks ago, we were hearing reports of. Um, of this this uh, new variant being detected in the on the continent uh, continental Europe, so a couple of few cases here and there, uh, but of course that is now starting to to to, to develop in into the, this uh, strain becoming more prevalent, just as it did in, in the UK, and and this this is this is a real worry. Um, so it's it's become present in continental Europe. Uh, in, in the US, in Asia, even in China, there, there have been some cases. And we, OK, on the other hand, we have the vaccines coming out. Um, and in some cases, there have been some very impressive. Uh, Israel particularly has managed to vaccinate a quarter of its population. It's absolutely extraordinary. Um, but um, that, that, is, that is not the, uh, that is a bit of an isolated case. I mean, in, in the UK, we've got about 5% vaccinations, uh, I, I think. And continental Europe mostly behind that. So um, the rollout of the, of the vaccine, although impressive in, in a lot of ways, it, it's also quite slow compared to the, uh, the, the, the spread of this, uh, of, of this new strain. So there's, there's clearly a window of, of risk over the next, um, the next few months that we, we could have this uh, a resurgence in, in the virus through this new strain um, that the the, the new vaccines ca cannot combat um, quickly enough. And that raises concerns, uh, uh, I, I think, over, over demand over the next couple of months. So because of the uncertainty in this, you've looked at a number of scenarios for supply demand and what this would do to global in inventories. Yes, well, I think the, 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 because it's so uncertain, as you say, we, we really have to look at scenarios. So what, you know, if, if this happens, what does that mean, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we've used the um, EIA, the US uh, Energy Inf Information Administration um, data and forecasts as, as, as a base case. And we've then applied adjustments to that to, 
see what that might might mean under 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 those under those particular scenarios. Um, and something we're particularly keen to look at is the impact of the OPEC plus agreement and the extra million barrels per day that, uh, that the sound is decided to, to go on top of that. Um, and and what, what we see actually is if we overlay that, that OPEC action over the EIA's other forecasts, the, the cuts look to be too deep. Um, they, they show that um, OECD inventories, which we know um, OPEC look at as, as a measure of global inventories, and it's something that they that they um, that they have talked about particular targets and the five-year average and this kind of thing. And what we find is that that, that the that the measures that OPEC announced the, the other week are probably go too too deep um, for 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 what relative to the EIA's forecast. Um, but another way of looking at that is to is to say that. Perhaps that's because OPEC is prepared for a softening in, in demand over the next couple of months. So just as we've been talking about uh, a moment ago and, and the spread of this new strain and, and the danger that that creates for, for demand, it, my interpretation of OPEC's actions then is, is that they're preparing the market for, for that, that this, this softer period. And, and consequently, um, again, based on using these base forecasts, that suggests OPEC will need to increase output quite significantly later in the year. Um, but if if we apply an even more significant demand shock to um, the, the next next couple of months, um, but indeed one that also includes Chinese demand uh, falling, um, then 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 actually the the OPEC cuts um, would would still allow a significant rebuild in, in, in inventories. So it's so a reversal of the decline in inventories we, we saw into the end of last year. So that would be a, a, you know, quite a shock to the market. But actually, even with that, um, the OPEC cuts do do look to be enough to contain the situation. I mean, obviously, they wouldn't then be able to increase production quite so uh, uh, dramatically later in the year. But but nevertheless, that that, that probably is enough to contain the situation. So I think it's a sort of overall, oh, well, and, and another scenario again that we also looked at is, well, what, what if actually demand increases, you know, whatever happens over the next couple of months, what happens if demand does increase um, sharply later in the year? So we, so we looked at a situation where from May onwards, uh, demand is actually back to 2019 levels. And, and there we, we see the need for, for a strong increase in, uh, in OPEC production later in the year. So a lot of different uh, moving parts there, but I, th I think the, I think the, that's probably the main message is that if, um, if uh, is that the market is because of the actions OPEC have taken, the market is prepared from a supply demand point of view uh, for a softer outcome over the next couple of months. Um, but I think whether that the market sentiment is prepared for that sort of. Um, uh, uh, softer than expected demand is is uh, perhaps another matter. Okay, and if demand does prove to be relatively robust and prices move higher, will we see more non-OPEC production? Well, of course, here we get back to the perennial question of um, for OPEC about how to deal with uh, particularly U.S. shale. Um, 
you know, the, the market is now above above fifty, quite quite meaningfully. So, um, is is that going to be is that going to rekindle um, shale outputs and and undermine what OPEC are, are, are trying to do? Um, well, I think it's worth noting that um, again, focusing on U.S. shale, that uh, production into the end of last year uh, was maintained to quite a large extent by bringing um, previously drilled wells that have not yet been put into production. So basically, because the well has been dr- drilled, that the cost uh, has, has mostly already been been taken, and so it's, it's a matter of putting that that well into operation. So. But that's one thing. But of course, to to maintain um, shale production in in the long term, you you need to keep drilling completely fresh wells um, uh, because uh, output from shale wells declines relatively quickly. So you need to keep drilling uh, and that is expensive. And um, so far, so so we, what we need to see really is is the, the the somewhat higher prices stimulating fresh drilling, uh, and that hasn't happened so far. Um, it's also interesting to look at um, as we have uh, uh, cash generation by uh, independent U.S. producers, and that continues to be pretty challenging. I mean, frankly, that was challenging before COVID, so it's not necessarily anything new. Um, but but perhaps it's something that uh, investors are more wary of when they're considering um, giving more cash to independent U.S. producers. And then on top of that, we've also got um, the, the, the Biden presidency, which uh, starts this week. And significantly, he has control now of both of both uh, houses in, 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 in the States. Uh, so he should be able to bring about meaningful change. I mean, certainly he talk, talked a lot about this in the lead up to the to the election, um, so so now uh, he, he has the the, the the mandate and the power to to deliver on those, and and certainly it's going to be a much less uh, conducive environment for oil producers in the in the U.S. than than it was under Trump. Okay, and are there any other risks to supply? Well, the Middle East has been fairly quiet really over the last year, I'd, I'd say, or or perhaps or, or perhaps we've just not we've been too preoccupied with the virus to, to notice what's been going on. Um, um, but uh, and, and one, other, <clears throat> but looking forwards though, I mean, one other thing uh, uh, that the Biden presidency brings about is the possibility of uh, restoring the the old uh, nuclear deal. Uh, and certainly, he's talked a lot about about doing that. But I think um, that may not happen very quickly in practice. So, so it's definitely something to to to, to look at. Uh, and certainly Iranian production coming back onto onto world markets. I mean, that might add two million barrels per day of additional production. So, so it's a significant uh, issue for the market if it did happen. But I, but I think it will take time. So so one to watch. Um, we may also mention quickly uh, Libya. Because the Libyan production has ramped back up again to over a million barrels per day, the main risk now for Libya is actually that that production goes offline again for, for some reason. Uh, so, so that really, that's now a, a, uh, a, a, a an upside risk to prices rather than a downside risk. All right, and, and finally, can we now look at the price developments over the crisis recently compared to the longer term? What does this tell us about the prospects for the year? Well, I think on the downside, just looking at some of the technical. Uh, levels and indicators. Um, we've got the uptrend from November, which is so far providing support in the 
in the mid 50 area, which of course is where the market is at the moment. So we're close to that support level. Um, I think also that that Brent has rallied over $50 per barrel. That $50 per barrel area is is now another important support level. Um, And then below that, we've got the moving averages. We've got the the 200 days around 41, the 100 days around 45, and the 50 days around 48. So those are support levels as well. Um, And and finally, we've got the trend line support from the lows of April uh, and and November last year, and that comes into around $43 per barrel. So touching back on the idea of of the... uh, of demand being a bit softer over the next couple of months and uh, perhaps market sentiment not really being ready for that. Um, these are the kinds of levels we would look to f- for support if the market did come come off. So if the, if uh, Brent were to fall back through, through 50, then you've got these levels like uh, 48, 45 and 41 to look out for, for, for support on the downside. Uh, if, if there was a more significant uh, shock. I think particularly in China, if if, if this uh, signs of new variants were, were starting to really spread in China and there was a demand impact there, that then then we, I think there's every chance we could see the market moving below 40. But uh, you know, let's see. Um, th- then on the upside, obviously, we've had recent highs around 56, 57, uh, which are around the lows of uh, mid, mid 2019. So, so that's uh, that's a, a resistance area. Um, if it can break through there, we've got $60 per barrel of the figure, which is an important um, sort of psychological level. Uh, and then we've got a, uh, a long-term resistance line uh, from the high of 2018 and the high just before the COVID crisis. And this currently limits Brent in the sort of in, in the $60 per barrel area. So I think if if we were to see a breakthrough 60, it does seem does seem quite a big number at this stage. But if we did see that, then there's a potential to move back into the 60 to $80 per barrel range even. Brilliant. Thank you for the update, Callan. Thanks very much, Toby.